Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Your re-edited hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, and the Chicago Reader. Benny J, take it away. Every Friday, Ramana Hussein from the Chicago Sun-Times joins us, editor, columnist, and uh, we were trying to get our conversation going as we usually do uh, on the live feed, but we had technical difficulties, to put it mildly. At one point, we Ramana couldn't hear us, and then she couldn't <laughs> hear me. It's probably more information than the podcasters care about. But uh, anyway, we've hooked it up uh, through Carrier Pigeon, and Ramana is a good sport, and she's here again. So welcome to the show, Ramana. Um, thanks for having me again. Again, yes, again. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have a cheat sheet, a lot to cover. Uh, I wanted to really get this show in, not just because I promised people at the outset that we would have you on, but it just feels like last show that you were on was such a, you were, it was such a powerful riff that you went on. Uh, and it resonated with a lot of our listeners. Um, and of course you were talking about the, um, insurrection incited by Donald Trump where a whole bunch of MAGA people stormed Capitol, And, uh, you were pointing out uh, the inconsistencies to put it mildly in the way law enforcement treated them, uh, and the reaction uh, that people had, uh, to the obvious, uh, the just the obvious what inconsistency that's the best word to put it the when black people or brown people or Muslim people uh, protest and uh, uh, when uh, white mostly white MAGA people many of them as I pointed out I can't point out enough uh, were flying there was a Confederate flag uh, somebody had an anti-Semitic uh, shirt on uh, and um, so it was a really ugly scene has anything changed in the last week. Uh, in your um, yeah, uh, Donald Trump was impeached again for the second time. Um, no, I be, be yeah. very, in terms of your uh, attitude or your reaction uh, to what went down. Um, I think I think I still have you know I think me and a lot of people still have the same reactions and you know one of the things to point out I've noticed too I don't know one of the organizers was an African American man or what looked like an African-American man. I don't know if you saw those reports, but there were, uh, there were people of color, but the point is that this was a majority white group. Most of the people that we saw storming inside the white um, Capitol building were uh, mostly white. No, I still have the feelings. I mean, it's simmered down a little, um, I guess, but I think emotions were high for a lot of people and the questions still remain. Um, the guy, you know, you're talking about the one gentleman, I, just, I don't know if I should use the word gentleman, but the one guy with the furry hat and the face paint. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he, um, he had um, several tattoos. I know a lot of people found him very funny. Like he's a failed actor. 
And he was actually, um, once he was arrested, he was on a food strike because he wasn't getting organic food. And now he's getting his organic food. And a lot of people found it funny, but I don't know. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to promote another podcast on this podcast, but if you um, are interested in listening to another podcast, WBZ, um, Odette Youssef has done this like excellent podcast that came out like months ago um, on white supremacy. And she, um, after the, the, you know, the riot, she kind of, that guy with the furry hat, he had all these tattoos. And for most people, we didn't know what those tattoos meant, but they're white you know, they're white supremacy symbols, Nazi symbols. So, you know, it's not just a guy with the, you know, 6,000 wasn't enough or Camp Auschwitz. There's a lot of people with tattoos and a lot of us don't know that much about, you know, what a lot of white supremacy tattoos mean or anti-Semitic tattoos or, you know, what they look like. So she pointed out that his, basically his tattoos on his chest were, you know, an assortment of white supremacy symbols. So, you know, there, there's a lot that we haven't uncovered in her podcast. It's called motive. It's season three. I, I highly recommend it. And she kind of talks about the white supremacy and the anti-Semitism that's been kind of um, been there, but it's kind of rolled into this like big, bigger group than we thought initially was. And it has roots in Chicago and it's like a very interesting podcast. And she talks about how law enforcement really didn't take this seriously. And I don't know if you remember the Mepsters from the 80s. They're, um, mm-hmm. they're these, this white supremacist group, or it was Tom Metzger, I think. Um, I remember him because I remember being a teenager in the 80s and all the talk show hosts would have him on. And, you know, there'd be fights and, you know, it was seen as like, okay, there's this white supremacist and they're really people not like that. But he was on the podcast, she interviewed him and he talked about how, you know, after a couple of years, people realized, you know, wearing the Ku Klux Klan hood or, you know, being a certain way didn't work. And he even said that I started telling people it, it was called from boots to suits. Boots is like from when they're skinheads to suits. And he's, in, you know, he's encouraged, you know, his you know, I guess followers or people who adhere to white supremacy to like get rid of those symbols, like the Ku Klux Klan hats and go into law enforcement and the military. And as we saw with the um, riots, there were a lot of people that were involved in law enforcement and the military. And there were some local people too. And, and it wasn't just people, you know, everybody talks about the white working class. There's a lot of middle-class people there too, that, you know, we had this one CEO of a company in Schaumburg, um, mm-hmm. This week, we had that guy, um, he was an HVAC worker from Chicago. Um, this was in the paper yesterday. Um, he basically posted a picture of Nancy Pelosi's office or the, you know, the, her name. And then he posted on Instagram. And when the feds came to get him, he allegedly said, oh, wow, you guys are fast. So there's yeah. all kinds of individuals that are arrested. But there is this thread of white supremacy that is kind of Im- threaded it's threaded together in in a lot of these cases and i think i think we're going to hear a lot more and i've been reading a lot more about um you know just the anti-semitism that's been increasing in the last couple of years and i do feel like it's and I, i've seen studies and you probably have too about how um, militia groups white supremacy groups are bigger threats than any other quote-unquote international groups but i feel like the average american ignores those they want the enemy to be some thing that they see as the other right so 
I, I just feel like a lot of people and individuals like ignore these groups. I mean, all you know, we were talking about Mike Quigley being on airplanes, correct? Mm-hmm. And yeah, there was a lot of these, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, MAGA supporters who were on the plane. Could you imagine if it was any other group who was doing this stuff? Would they even be allowed on the plane? Probably not. But you know, there were people kicked off the flight that he was on. So there were five people, and then they started talking about how. A couple of them were, you know, conspiring against each other and talking about how, not not against each other, but conspiring with each other, saying that they were going to take off their masks mid-flight and quickly heard this um, and had told the uh, uh, one of the flight attendants about this. And then the mm-hmm. pilot went on and said that if anybody takes off their masks, I'm just going to land the plane at the nearest place. And everybody mm-hmm. kind of behaved. But, you know, in, in a lot of cases, you know, there are Muslim people who are visibly Muslim, you know, who get taken off planes. People don't feel comfortable with them. And I know I talked about this a little, but all these people were able to fly back home. Nobody really got arrested on the spot. So it's interesting. It's, it's, I think this is going to be something we are going to talk about. I know some people are like, oh, let's move forward. Let's put this behind us. But I don't think that's the right attitude. I think we got to keep, stay alert and be vigilant about this stuff and, you know, look into it. And I, I think people are looking into it. I think the federal government is now looking into um, all the different federal groups are looking into it. There's a watchdog group looking into the riot. Um, and, the, and you know, there's also evidence. So the guy with the horns, I'm forgetting his name, Rao, so the guy with the furry hat and the, horn, the furry hat and the horns and the face paint during his, uh, he was in court today. Um, and I think he's from Phoenix, Arizona, or he's from Arizona somewhere. And they had mentioned how there were in fact plans to assassinate members of, um, politicians during the riot. There were definitely plans to do that. So I think more, I think more and more stuff is trickling in. Um, I also think it's important that as things do trickle in that we need to, on both, I mean, when I mean both sides, I mean, even people to the left, they need to really be careful about what's put out there. I don't know if you saw earlier this week, there was, um, there was the, well, there's a firefighter from a different uh, state that was charged mm-hmm. with using the fire extinguisher to bash the pol- um, police officer, the Capitol Hill police yeah. officer who passed away. Um, so mm-hmm. on Twitter earlier this week, everybody was saying that he was a Chicago um, firefighter. Um, this guy was a firefighter, just not a Chicago firefighter. I think there was a CFD hat or he was wearing a CFD hat. Some people said it was doctored. And then people started saying, well, this is actually this, you know, Chicago firefighter. And it turned out not to be him. So I think one of the things that's important is just we all need to be careful about what's being said out there. I mean, I know a lot of people are, you know, putting jokes like my sister sent out sent a picture of people holding signs and they were really misspelled. And I'm like, are you sure that wasn't doctored? I mean, it's possibly they weren't because, you know, a lot of things are just so absurd with this riot and scary. And yeah. some, some things are definitely funny. So I, I always tell people like we need just to be careful just to make sure that people aren't dissem- disseminating misinformation. But I do think that we're going to hear more about this. I don't think it's going to go away. I don't think people who well, were at, yeah, go ahead. Uh, but I just wanted to say that that firefighter was from, uh, I believe, Chester, Pennsylvania's retired firefighter. Yeah. So the C uh, on his cap, I believe, was Chester, not Chicago. But yes, I know what you're saying. Uh, there was all kinds of 
tweets going out and, and I'm getting texts from people. Is that guy from Chicago? Is that guy from Chicago? And uh, uh, at some point you really do have to chill out. I think this is a wake up call, uh, Romana. And I believe that, um, and I got to give a shout out to Spike Lee, by the way, uh, if uh, black Klansman, his movie that came out a couple of years ago, really hammered home. I don't know if you saw that movie, but uh, it, he talked, it was a story about a, something that went down in the 70s uh, where an mm-hmm. undercover uh, police officer infiltrated uh, the Klan, which sounds preposterous, but it's... Uh, and he was and he was uh, a black police officer. That's a black man, yeah, that's, that's the part. And um, But the theme of that is how um, sort of this uh, anti-Semitic, anti-black, anti-Muslim, just this rhetoric, this hate is, is being... If you don't if you if you don't prevent it from being normalized, uh, then it becomes part of a routine. And then, yeah. so the first step is people get to, f- they feel like they have the right, like a First Amendment right. They turn it into a liberty. Uh, and then yeah. they compare it falsely to like a Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, and then mm-hmm. the next thing you know, they're justifying it. And I, I believe we're at a moment where we have to address it uh, and also think about whether a far right uh, anti-Semitic, anti-black um, white supremacists have infiltrated our military and police. This, this, this is a scary moment, but we can't do this, Ramana, thinking about this if it's just Democrats, or it's a lot harder to do it if it's just liberals. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Who are asking, yeah. if the Republican Party isn't going to join in and take it serious, then we're really at a crisis. You agree? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, and then I think I think the Democrats need to be vigilant too in what is normalized and what isn't. I mean, um, you know, obviously, like for most people, you know, anti-Semitism isn't normal, but being anti-Black isn't normal, but um, and even being anti-Muslim isn't normal. But for a while, Islamophobia was normalized by a lot of people. Um, Barack Obama was called a Muslim, and they called it a slur. I mean, on both yeah. sides, you know, they're like, oh no, it's not a slur, and it's like. Okay, why can't he be Muslim and be the president? And I, I know Barack Obama isn't a Muslim, but there's like minor things that um, you know we all do, and it's not necessarily something you know that just the crazies do. It's just the things that we do in everyday life. Is like we need to stop white supremacy in all ways. And yeah, definitely the Republicans have to be on board. And we saw during the impeachment hearings there were a ton of Republicans who stood up and voted for impeachment but i don't know if you listened to the impeachment hearings you did hear a lot of i was i had the um, tv on i wasn't looking at the screen it was in the living room i was in my kitchen so i could just hear it but there were a lot of republicans who came up and then they started talking about the hypocrisy and how black lives matter destroyed this and how the democrats didn't stand up when the black lives matter you know got up and and it's just like are you kidding me? You know, it's like people did condemn any sort of looting or any sort of violence that came. And, you know, most of these protests were definitely peaceful. But if there was any sort of like indication that something got out of hand, people did speak out against that. Nobody said that was great. And it was just the false equivalency or just equivalating, equival- basically using that as a comparison to what happened on Capitol Hill is just ridiculous. Um, I just thought, just listening to some of these Republicans say that it, it, it just reeked of hypocrisy for themselves. I thought for, for them. Well, and it's, and that's part of the problem. It's, it, that's where it gets frightening. Uh, if the false equivalency, 
if Republicans respond to obvious evidence of racism and anti-Semitism and uh, at the at the in the Capitol in, invasion or in, uh, insurrection, if they respond to that obvious evidence by saying, "Oh, well, Black Lives Matter did it too," you have to ultimately say, "Well, what's your point? Are you saying that it's okay?" Yeah. That you have racists and yeah. anti-Semites running through Congress? Are you saying that it's okay? You know, I I really don't know where the Republicans are going with this, except clearly they were afraid of antagonizing uh, their political base. And that suggests that the political base is a lot more comfortable with uh, anti-Semitic and white exactly. supremacist attitudes. And that's frightening, Romana. Yeah, of course. And so basically they're, they're basically normalizing the hate more than before by embracing this and saying that, you know, we understand why they went out there. We understand they're angry. It's, you know, like I said, it's the way Donald Trump spoke to this group too, like telling them, you know, we love you. You're special. I mean, why even say something like that? And then start backtracking about how you can condone violence days later. It's just a link. It's even the language that we use. I mean, you're basically embracing people who do things like this. And, you know, where's the condemnation when something like this happens, when there's violence on that end? And it's, come on, Black Lives Matter wouldn't even be able to get that far into the Capitol building. So, you know, if they did, it would be a totally different conversation with the Republicans, I think, you know, and I think the Democrats would probably say something too. They, if the, if it was a Black Lives Matter group and they went into the Capitol building and it was the same scene, I'm sure there would be Democrats. I'm sure there'd be people on all sides saying that, okay, they shouldn't have, you know, got inside and they shouldn't have, you know, taken stuff. I think there would have been that conversation. So yeah, I think the Republicans, not all, but uh, many of them have normalized this. And we've seen this normalization in the last four years. It's And, you know, there's always been that element of racism in this country there's always racism the government um you know a lot of their um a lot of their laws are racist but this is just like blatantly saying it's okay and telling people it's okay uh now romana one of the you mentioned uh, the impeachment and we've talked a lot about the uh, uh the impeachment on this show in the previous episodes uh one of the uh, talking points that Republicans have used uh, to justify voting against the impeachment is that they feel it's time that the country unite. Um, and yeah. um, I'm trying not to smile when I say this because it's so bizarre. All of a sudden, Republicans want to unite. But what's your reaction when you hear Republicans at this stage uh, saying that Donald Trump should be uh not held accountable for what went down last week because it's time we move past that and unite as a people. Why not be held accountable? That's the thing. And and as I mentioned, like, why should he get away scot free from everything that he's done the last four years? He's never been held accountable. I know when he was uh, basically had his Twitter account suspended, this one tweet, somebody tweeted, Oh, congratulations to Donald Trump. The first time he's ever been held accountable in his life. So yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. I think a lot of people, um, I know I've seen a lot of people of color who are not Trump supporters say like unite, like you want me to unite with people who hate me, whose, whose main you know goal in life is to get rid of people like me in this country. So I don't know. It's like all of a sudden they want to have this kumbaya moment now that Donald Trump has, you know, been impeached for the second time it's like 
what about coming together the last four years when you're completely alienating the people in your country or treating them like they weren't Americans? Like when you meet unite, who do you mean unite? Just the white people unite? You know, it's, it's a very, um, it's, it's, it's just insane how like people are saying let's unite because I, I do feel like a lot of people that I know are like, why do I want to unite with people like that? Who people who hate me clearly. And their goal is to not have people that look like me or, you know, aren't white Christians, you know, to be in this country. So I think a lot of people feel like, why should I unite with people like that? Yeah. And uh, the other thing that went down in Washington, uh, we didn't talk about this in our pre-show planning, uh, but uh, when you were uh, alluding to uh, what would be acceptable if somebody who looked like you did it, the Congress women, uh, the QAnon Congresswoman Marjorie uh, Green uh, and Bobert from uh, Colorado, yeah, uh, and their defiance—they're not the only two—but the, the the defiance of Republican Congresswomen and Congressmen not to be required to go through a metal detector. And I'm I'm watching this and following this. I don't know if you've been following this one, Romana, but the rhetoric that they use is that this is an infringement on their liberty. I, I'm. <laughs> speechless <laughs> you know i know I mean, yeah i mean ahead. if you're if, uh, if other if other um you know it's one thing like you know when i used to work at the courthouse i can tell you this like i would get waved through because i had id people know who i was lawyers got the same privilege but there were days that you know especially like on 9 11 or certain days where everybody would have to get checked and i would just get checked like everyone else so i mean there yeah what about when People like me go to the airport and get pulled out of line and have our stuff checked like three times. What about that? That's an infringement on our, our rights too. But I guess it's okay when it's other groups, but not when it's you. That's what I feel like. Cause a lot yeah. of these, some of these Trump supporters, some of these Trump supporters weren't allowed to like fly back home. I'm like, you're the one that's all okay with certain people not flying. But when it's you, it's an infringement on your rights. They never were saying that when other people, were stopped from flying or stopped in security. Um, you know, these guys, okay, all these white guys had these crazy long beards. If a Muslim had a crazy long beard or a black guy had a long beard, they'd all be stopped in security or any brown person. So it's like, it's, it's an infringement on their rights when it applies to them. But if it applied to a different group of people, they'd be totally fine with it. Oh my, they are, they were, they were the totally yeah, fine. Yeah, I know, that's what I'm saying. Well, that's yeah. what I'm it's like, it's just funny. It's so hypocritical. Like it's when it applies to them, then it's an infringement of their rights. But when it's other people, yeah. you're doing this for security reasons and for the better yeah. of the country. Yeah. And, um, so very bizarre, uh, rhetoric coming out of Republicans, uh, in, in Washington. Suddenly there are libertarians. Uh, they don't feel they should have to go through it. And it's really weird. Ramada, I've followed this debate. For a long time, the whole issue of metal detectors. And I remember when it first was a role was in the Chicago public schools. Should the public yeah. schools be mandated to have metal detectors? And there were um, some principals and some uh, uh, parents who said, no, we don't want our schools to have this. We don't want to send this message out. Uh, I, I remember yeah. this as a part of debate. And then the law and order crowd was saying, are you kidding me? We live in a dangerous yeah. time. And we uh, and so. It's so bizarre that they just flip it. There's just no, yeah. it's no consistency whatsoever uh, in the world where they just flip the debate when it, it meets their purposes. 
Uh, for so sure. Kind of, and that's the yeah. thing. And it's like, they don't even realize, I mean, they, I don't know if they realize this, but they just sound so, it just, it just sounds insane when they're saying, when they're completely, you know, it's like they change what they want to say when it applies to them. And, you know, do they know that they're doing that? Probably I'm thinking at some point, they just think that they're, the laws don't apply to them. Those kind of laws don't apply to them. Yeah. Uh, speaking about laws not applying to people, and we'll, uh, before we move on to a lighter topic, Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, the 18-year-old uh, who is charged with murder, uh, killing two people in Kenosha during the summer, uh, got out on uh, bail. He's out, and uh-huh. he was seen uh, at a bar. To, thanks to Ricky Schroeder and the My Pillow guy. Yes, that's right. We discussed <laughs> this in the past. Uh, but, wow, I mean... It's got a uh, wearing a shirt that says, uh, and I'm quoting the shirt, free as fuck. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's at a bar somewhere in Wisconsin and Proud Boys are ser- ser- serenading him with song. And, you know, it just doesn't seem like the the right really takes serious. Uh, any, no. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just um, and I think he was out with his mom, if I'm not incorrect. From what I've seen, uh, the Twitter chatter, um, it's, you know, I just think about myself, like if I was charged with murdering two people and shooting a third person and injuring them, I don't know if my mom would be hanging out with me. <laughs> like She would probably be locked me up and then wearing a shirt like that. Um, I would not be wearing a shirt like that either. And yeah, it, 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 it just shows you the double standard. You would, could you imagine if that was, somebody else, say a person of color, say somebody who was a Black Lives Matter um, individual who got charged with the same crime wearing a shirt that said free as S and yeah. walking around that, I, that I think that would have been a bigger news story. I mean, I think people did talk about it, but I didn't see it. I mean, people told me because of the Twitter chatter, but I didn't see like that much discussion on it. It's just, um, it's well, just kind of this- crazy. And you wonder what kind of parent, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I just think about my mom. And if my dad was alive, I can tell you I would be locked in the house. My parents wouldn't let me go anywhere. And they'd be really disappointed, <laughs> to say the least. And I, I would not have a shirt that does that. I can tell you that yeah. much. Well, this this gets back into the larger issue, the normalization. So, yeah. you know, again, it doesn't seem... Like, I'm sure when he's sentenced, let's say he... Well, let's... Let's presume that he, uh, for the for the sake of this argument, uh, that he's convicted. All right. Yeah. You watch. He'll drop his head. He'll say he's sorry. That the lawyer will make him read from a certain script in order to try to get a lighter sentence from the judge. Now, if he's acquitted, of course, it'll be celebration. Uh, he did nothing wrong. Yeah. And it'll be, but there's no sign whatsoever. This there's no sign whatsoever that. Uh, Anybody remotely connected to MAGA has any remorse or about their behavior over the last six years. And there's no sign of any self-reflection whatsoever on the part of MAGA. It's just presuming that they're victims. They've always been victimized. Uh, they even complain about cancel culture, Romano, when they're talking. You guys? Yeah. <laughs> So that's I, that's part of the normalization process too. It's kind of frightening. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, they've been emboldened. So why would they be ashamed? You know, they've they've been told that what they're doing. You know, they're you know, proud boys stand back. I mean, 
Yeah. What I mean, that's the message they're getting. So they've been emboldened and, you know, they feel like this is their moment to, you know, quote unquote shine. So they, they don't feel like they're doing anything wrong. They think they're quote unquote freedom fighters and fighting against uh, socialism and, you know, people taking over their country. That's what they, they see it as. All right, let's move to uh, a lighter topic of sorts. Uh, let's talk about uh, women politicians and how they dress. Uh, and as soon as I saw this story break, I was like, oh, my goodness. I know Ramon is going to be all over this. Uh, Kamala Harris, vice president-elect, was on the cover of Vogue. Uh, well, R- Ramana, just take it from there. I'll let you take it from there. Okay, so... So I don't think this has anything to do with how Kamala Harris dresses. Um, It's the way the photo was presented. I know a lot of men who don't follow fashion, they probably don't understand. But I I personally don't subscribe to Vogue, but I'm familiar with the magazine. And so um, the chatter was, so basically there's this picture of Kamala Harris on the cover of the, you know, upcoming or current issue of Vogue. And she's standing there um, wearing a suit and her tradition, you know, her, her, her trademark Converse um, All-Stars on the bottom. And she's wearing, you know, she's standing in the backdrop of material that's like, you know, the colors of Howard University. Mm-hmm. And so that is the cover that's going to be used. And so there was this other cover of her standing with her arms crossed and wearing a powder blue suit. Her campaign says that they agreed with the editor, Anna Wintour, or whoever they were dealing with, that that was going to be the cover of the magazine. Of course, they don't have final say in the decision, but a lot of people, especially a lot of people who follow fashion and follow fashion magazines, feel like Vogue has not put that many black people on the cut, black women or black people on the cover in the last you know, last years or so. And they were criticized actually during the Black Lives, uh, you know, the George Floyd Floyd protests. And so a lot of people felt like the picture, it, it, they felt like it was being called in and they felt like the lighting was wrong. I, re- I initially thought that the photographer wasn't an African-American photographer, but it was. But a lot of people felt like the cover wasn't, there wasn't an effort put into the cover like they would if it was another politician, if it was like, you know, they felt like the, you know, they felt like the angle that she was shot in, it wasn't very flattering. So there was just a lot of commentary on that. And as you saw, I sent you a Washington Post opinion piece on it. And the New York Times also has an article on it. So it became a bigger thing than just on Twitter. So I think people had some legitimate concerns. I know one of my African-American colleagues, I said that, you know, whatever she wears is fine. And a lot of people are like, that's not the point. It's just like it wasn't a flattering picture. And then, you know, Vogue takes all these artistic shots and that's all they could do. That was like, they just felt like it was lackluster and they felt thought it was disrespectful to black women. One of my colleagues um, at the Sun Times was like, I just think she needs to not wear Converse. You know, she's the vice president of the United States. And I, I personally know, I, I was telling her, I'm like, you know, if she wants to wear that, that's fine. But I do think, I, I know we talked about this, I do, I do think female politicians do get, you know, they get more scrutinized about the, you know, the choices they wear, what they make in terms of fashion. And this, I don't think, was a question of what she was, you know, what specifically she was wearing. It was the way the picture was, you know, the picture, the overall picture that came out. They didn't think it was up to, like, a high fashion magazine phot- photograph that people take. Like, and then people are pointing out to the AOC picture, on Vanity Fair, and they're like, mm-hmm. that's what a, a 
you know, that's what a fashion shoot looks like with a politician. It's not what they wear. It's just the, you know, they said that the treatment that Kamala Harris was given wasn't the same treatment. A lot of people who are put on the cover of these fashion magazines get. So that's what the controversy was. And I even told, uh, I told my husband, Mick, I told my husband and Mick who thinks gym shoes are okay is dress shoes. I don't, I, I can tell you that much, but he thinks they're like, they can, you can wear them like at parties and stuff at like, formal parties i don't think so he does i he, i let him do it sometimes but but sometimes at weddings i'm like no you're not wearing gym shoes and a suit i just don't think it's right that's just and i told him i'm like please don't weigh on this in on this because don't say that you think the picture's okay because it's not so he's like i wasn't going to i don't even know what the controversy was so i gave him a heads up about it before i was telling him about it he's like yeah i saw it oh, trending yeah. on twitter and i had no idea to what, what it was yeah. Uh, by the way, here's something I, I'd love to get your thoughts on. Uh, and I, I didn't know this was common practice, uh, but uh, so the, the photographer from Vogue took several photos of Kamala Harris and uh, the campaign thought that uh, one photo would be used, which uh-huh. uh, implies that they had access to all the photographs and were part of the decision-making process or getting an opportunity to at least weigh in. I wasn't aware of this. Does this, this happen in journalism? Uh, I'm, see, I'm always <laughs> no, on the writing end. The, so I'm never part of the, the group that puts the package together. Like, do they talk to the subjects about what the photo no. is? Do they give, no? No, no. And in, 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 at the Sun Times or in, at newspapers, we don't do that. But fashion magazines are a little different. I'm pretty sure, like, when actresses are on the cover or models are on the cover, they do look at all the pictures after they're taken. Because, they, you know, sometimes you look at videos of the photo shoot and then they show them looking at it afterwards. Um, and then they all kind of say, well, I like this one and I like that one. So with, with I think with fashion photography or fashion magazines, it's a little different. So, they, you, you know, the people who are the subjects sometimes do get to weigh in on what they like. Of course, I, you know, I would think as an editor of a magazine, you have the final say, but it, like I said, they do ask these actresses. I always see pictures of the actresses looking over their pictures and saying things like, Oh, I like this one. Or, so I think there is some sort of agreement or at least like, you know, people leaning towards a certain picture and everybody kind of signs off on it or say, Oh, I kind of like that. And sometimes there's different covers. Like sometimes there's a subscription cover and sometimes there's a, um, a cover on the newsstand. So, it's it's a little different in fashion than it is in uh, I guess in news like traditional newspapers. Uh, and along sort of this Jane uh, general point, I sent you a homework assignment uh, to read the uh, Chicago Tribune article uh, that Heidi Stevens wrote um, about Nancy Pelosi. And the headline is "Who cares that Nancy Pelosi wore the same suit to both of Donald Trump's impeachments?" And then uh, it says, I do. And then Heidi Stevens, as a columnist for the Chicago Tribune, uh, goes on to say that uh, in some, many ways uh, she's interested in uh, how politicians dress and it is uh, not completely a frivolous issue. What's your attitude about this? Like that she wore the suit the same time? I mean, the second time. I don't think it's a big deal. Like if she did. Like if she did wear the same suit, who cares? But maybe she is sending a message too. You know, it's her power yeah. suit. Um, but you know, his, his last impeachment was like months ago. So, I mean, for someone to wear the same suit again, I don't know. It's not that big of a deal to me. I have to admit, I didn't do the whole homework assignment, so I didn't read the whole thing. Um, what was, um, Heidi, what was, what was Heidi's point? She was just saying that she does pay attention to the fashion choices that they make or, yeah, I mean, I do too. 
Ramana, you're never supposed to admit that you didn't do the homework assignment. I know, I know. But I'm, I, I, I was a very, I was a very honest student growing up. I would tell my teachers if I didn't know anything or if I didn't do something. So I apologize. No, but the point she was making uh, is that it does matter. Not only it matters to her, she was confessing up that it matters to her, but it does matter to other people. And you and I have had this conversation in the past. Uh, I know my wife, for instance, really gets irritated when uh, attention is drawn to, let's say, what Nancy Pelosi is wearing. Uh, yeah. But Nancy, Nancy Pelosi... I mean, she she's very conscious of what she's wearing. Oh, so she's totally, sending a totally. message out whenever she goes out. And so to ignore it, I think, would be to ignore part of what Nancy Pelosi is up to. Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I think it's I mean, it, it just depends. I mean, there's definitely some politicians who care about fashion. And, you know, any of us who follow fashion, we do sit there and like, go, oh, I wonder what where she got that suit from or where that dress is from. And, you know, it's kind of a common thing, but I think what people do find offensive is when women are judged for that, um, you know, or they're like, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it's like, Oh, that dress is ugly. You know, then people don't take her seriously. And that's, I think that's when people kind of get upset about, and they're like, why does it matter what someone dresses like? Sometimes I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. There's politicians in Chicago male and female in the newsroom, me and some other reporters will be like, what are they wearing? You know, we'll be, and then, you know, I've, yeah. I, I, I've had, there's, but there's, I, I'll say that there's a photographer on staff who like, would be like, oh, do you think that's bad? Look at these pictures I took. And then she'll, she will go through and we'll be like, oh God, they should have gotten more something else. And it's male and female, but I mean, it, that doesn't really change cloud the way I think about them as a politician or whether I think they're capable. I think people just feel like, why are women judged? Like if a woman gets a haircut and, you know, everybody will start talking about the haircut. But I think it, you know, it just depends. Like if a, if a guy did something really drastic, like if Donald Trump shaved his hair, I think everybody would talk about that just because he's so vain and he thinks his hair looks amazing or suddenly he didn't have a tan you know, we would all, or, you know, not a tan, but a fake tan and he didn't look right. orange anymore. We would pay attention. So there are certain things that it's just like, you know, people just kind of notice. So yeah, it is something people are going to talk about. It just shouldn't be the main thing people should talk about when you're yeah. dealing with a politician. It's usually their policy and, you know, whether they're held accountable, that's more important. This stuff is more frivolous, but yeah, I think, I think Nancy Pelosi probably was sending a message. Oh yeah. Like this is my and, power uh, suit and I'm in charge. Yep. Yep. And she is in charge and she uh, has led now twice uh, impeachment votes uh, against Donald Trump. And this time she may be successful. Uh, and yep. we have uh, just I'm not going to ask you to weigh in because I'm going to move on. Uh, but uh, Romana, we have uh, many of our listeners uh, are critical. of. We have a lot of lefty listeners and they're critical of Nancy Pelosi. Uh, they feel uh, she doesn't go far enough in championing. Oh, of course. Uh, lefty views and she's not a leftist so why i mean this yeah. is be honest she's a centrist uh but i yeah. and a lot of people because I, I a lot of people her. point I, out I, uh, a lot i like how she she kept the democrats together go ahead i know i know a lot of my friends who are younger and on the left um point out that you know she's like old and out of touch so i know a lot of people don't they think she's not left enough too so yeah i hear that i've heard that too well, we uh, get a lot of that on the Ben Jarofsky show. All right. Uh, and let's close down with uh, Romana's recommendations. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll throw out 
Uh, my two recommendations and I get yours. I don't know if I told you this at the start of the show, but my wife and I have been watching Mrs. America. We finally got around to watching yeah. that. That's the Hulu uh, series about the ERA battle, political battle in the seventies. If you, um, I'm really enjoying it. I'm probably going to convene a whole show on the topic. I'm only a year behind or something like that, Ramana on it. But yeah. I, we, Mick and I did see it. We did enjoy it too. Yeah, I probably mentioned uh, it too on the show. Probably did. And uh, uh, Terry Cosgrove, who's a frequent guest on the show, has been urging me to watch it forever uh, because he was uh, he was just getting involved politically back in the seventies when the fight was going on, and he remembers firsthand some of the uh, exchanges between Phyllis Schlafly uh, and uh, the women's uh, liberation activists and good, good, good stuff. We're going to have a deeper dive one night in Miami. That's what I'll be watching uh, tonight. Can't wait to watch it. And I'm going to do the deep dive with Sergio next week. We're going to do a special show uh, taking apart one night in Miami, Miami, Sergio Mims are uh Black Harvest Film Festival co-founder uh, loves the movie, gives it two thumbs way up. He's already seen it. Uh, so I'm looking forward to watching it and having a conversation with him. What are you going to be watching? I do. I do think I'll probably be watching one night in Miami at some point this weekend. Uh, the other movie I do want to see and which I probably mentioned before the pandemic when it was supposed to come out is A Promising Young Woman. Um, about it's kind of like a Me Too revenge fantasy, um, dark comedy. I do want to see that. And I started watching yesterday on Netflix the latest international hit series. Uh, for, it's from France. It's called Lupin. I thought I was going to call it Lupin, but then you called it Lupin. I knew I was going to. I was pronouncing it um, wrong. But it's actually um, it's a five part series. I think it's going to be ten parts altogether. So right now there's Netflix. Netflix put five on. Um, on 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 netflix <laughs> so and it's pretty good it's like a it's kind of like a heist um but still has has underlying themes about uh racism in france and it's it's really good um i have watched three episodes so far i kind of watched them um, yesterday and it's anybody who likes kind of action adventure um with a message i think you would enjoy it it's it's definitely fun i mean it's definitely unrealistic too i have to say there's certain parts that i'm like no way that never would happen but it's it's fun and it's, it's pretty well made and then it made me miss it does make you miss traveling um i've never been to paris but just kind of going overseas and traveling um it does make you miss that sort of stuff i was recommended um, i have to tell you maureen o'donnell um the obituary writer for the chicago sun times texted me yesterday and told me to watch it and said i definitely love it and she told me this after she told me i recommended to her to watch call my agent and she watched all three seasons that are on netflix so far and she said that she liked it too and i told her that i recommend you recommended it to me so it's kind of going in circles right now all, all the recommendations yeah, no, Lupine. I don't actually don't know if it's Lupino. I have no idea. I would not take oh, okay. recommendations for me uh, uh, from, uh, on how uh, French is pronounced. But the star of it, uh, I think it's Omar Sy. Uh, he's a great actor. Yeah. He was in The Untouchables, which was uh, that was the movie that um, where he was the attendant to a man uh, who's in a wheelchair. It was remade in this country with Kevin Hart. Uh, anyway. I'm really looking forward to watching that as well. And that's on my list. Uh, but I got to watch one night in America and I got to finish Mrs. America. Busy, busy, busy uh, in the middle of this I know, pandemic. But that's all we, and that's all we're doing. So you do have time to binge. Well, you know, 
this, we don't have this conversation with you that much, but we are constantly talking about in the show the mixed messages that are being uh, projected about the pandemic and how restrictive it should be and how restrictive we as a society should be. Uh, and I get frustrated sometimes, Ramana, and I just go, the hell with it all. Just open everything up, open the bars up, open the schools up, let the uh, chips fall where they may, because we get so many mixed messages. Uh, and yeah. at the same time, I'm like you and Mick. I am so scared. <laughs> I'm in my house. I don't go anywhere. You know what I mean? So I'm a mixed message myself, I guess. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, I'm not perfect either. I, I see my mom. I have my mask on. I, I mean, you know, I, I stop by to see people, but I have my mask on all the time when I'm in anywhere near people. But most of the time, 90 99.9% of the time in the week, I'm at home. Yeah. That's, that's me too. I'm at home and at night I go out for walks. Uh, all right, Romana, stay safe, stay sound. Thanks for putting up with us with all our technical difficulties, but it all worked out in the end. It was a great uh, Romana rundown and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Okay. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Uh, all right. That's Romana who's saying, do you got any oh, updates? Romana. Oh, I just missed her. <laughs> You're going to, uh, I was going to recommend gonna... she watch Joe dirt. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I knew you were going to, tying it all together. Actually, uh, uh, people may not realize, I don't know if these shows will be tied together, but we began the Friday show with reference to Joe Dirt, uh, an obscure 2001 movie starring David Spade uh, that Dennis urged that I watch. So anyway, what goes around comes around, and so it ends. It's a circle, the circle of life. And now Dennis will burst into song. <laughs> the circle of life. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, you got any updates for us, Steve, before we head out that door? No, let's just head out that door. Okay, let's head out that door. <laughs> get in my car. Remember the old days? I get in my car. <laughs> Those days are over. Uh, anyway, I want to thank Romana Hussein. She did an outstanding job, as she always does. And, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of all in Illinois. And as Romana will tell you, back home and all. Be nice. They call him D-Nice, as Troy LaRavier said yesterday. Uh, by the way, check out that interview with Troy. It's a super interview. Take care, everybody. Have a great weekend. See you Tuesday. That is correct. That is correct. <laughs>